I want to first of all welcome everybody that's at the Eden campus today. Thank you for coming and being with us today. You've got a million choices of where you go to church, and I am so thankful that you chose to be here today. I want to welcome everybody at the River Campus. Thank you so much for the a River Campus congregation, we love you and we thank God for you. I want to thank God for all those that are watching online and those that are listening by radio today. I want to remind you that last Sunday, uh, we started a brand new teaching series that is called The Power of Red. Everybody say that with me. What? The Power of Red. Now, I want you to circle the word power in your title today. Because when you think about that, that is the dynamos of God. It is the absolute supernatural power of God that we want to talk about. We're not talking about just a natural power, but we're talking about a supernatural power that can radically change your life. And then I want you to circle the word red because it is in that word red that we focus our attention on our church this year and the red represents the blood of Jesus. The Bible says, what can wash away my sin? You know the answer to that, say it with me. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the white church and the blood, the blood of the Lamb. And I'm telling you, when we think about the power of God being manifested and displayed, there is no greater place to look than the blood of Jesus. For the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our unrighteousness, and we know that. The blood of Jesus has wonder-working power in that blood. Just like this morning in the first service when we talked about it and we gave the invitation, ladies and gentlemen, two people had their sins covered Covered by the blood of Jesus, their name was written in the last book of life, and now their eternity has changed, not because of something I've done, but because of something Jesus did. Can I get an amen? And we thank God for that today. So when we think about that today, I want you to open your Bible to the book of Revelation as we study this morning, and we're going to be looking together at Jesus Christ being the first begotten of the dead. Now before we dig in today, let me remind you that last Sunday we started started this new teaching series about the power of red and we talked about Jesus Christ being the faithful witness and we understood last Sunday if you were here that Jesus Christ always has been and always will be the faithful witness of God the Father in other words there is absolutely nothing but truth in Jesus Christ when you look for truth you'll find that truth in Jesus Christ now people will lie to you people will stretch the truth but ladies and gentlemen let me assure you of this Jesus Christ is always the faithful witness he is one that you can count on. He is one that will be truthful with you. He is pure. He is reliable. And we discussed that last Sunday. We discussed the fact that he is the faithful witness to the wonder of God, the works of God, the word of God, the will of God, and the way of God. And we found out that Jesus is nothing but truth because he is God. So today, open your Bible to the book of Revelation as we study under the sermon title, Jesus Christ, the first begotten of the dead. Are y'all ready? Say amen. Today, as we look in the word of God, we find John on the Isle of Patmos. Now, John the Revelator is on the Isle of Patmos under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. 
He's there. He's been exiled to the Isle of Patmos. And as he's exiled to the Isle of Patmos, the Spirit of God begins to give John on the Isle of Patmos revelation. And that revelation, the Bible tells us right there in the beginning of chapter 1 of the book of Revelation, before we read those scriptures, you'll find that John gives the account, and this is what he says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when you study your Bible, if you're going to open your Bible up to the book of Revelation and you start in chapter 1 and you read all the way through that book, what John is going to do as he begins to pin down the words that the Holy Spirit gives him, he's going to give us a full exposure of who Jesus is. That is Jesus Christ. He has no message about himself. He has no message about religion. He's giving a message about the only begotten Son of God. So now he says, I'm going to give you a revelation of Jesus Christ and watch this. Are you listening? He says, I'm going to give you information about things that are shortly going to come to pass. In other words, what I'm writing in this book is absolutely going to happen. So when you open the book of Revelation, you begin to migrate through it. You're beginning to get revelation of not only Jesus Christ, but of things that are going to happen. And when you read your Bible, you read Revelation, you begin to see how that God is going to bring this world to a conclusion. And by the way, I believe it's going to happen very soon, y'all. I believe that Jesus is going to come back soon. Do you believe that? Say amen. So let's look there in Revelation chapter 1. And verse number five and six. And from Jesus Christ, say it with me, everybody, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him, y'all say this because this is something to celebrate right here, unto him that what loved us and washed us from our sins in his what? Own blood. Can I get an Amen. Look there together with me. It says, unto him, how many of you are so thankful that he loves you? Can I get an amen? The Bible says that he washed us from our sins in his own blood. Look at verse number six. Because he has done all that, because of all the criteria and all the credibility of who he is, the Bible says in verse number six, he's made us kings and priests unto God and his father unto him be, say it with me, church, glory and dominion how long? forever and ever, and all of God's people said what? Amen. Now, when you open your Bible and you begin to look there, we, I've had people ask me this question. Brother Jackie, why is it that Jesus Christ is considered to become the first begotten of the dead when Lazarus was raised from the dead? Uh, when you look at life and you look at the story of the Bible, you will find that before Jesus even died on the cross, and before uh, he rose again, that there were people that died who came back to life again. And so people have said to me, Brother Jenkins, uh, what's, so, what's the, such the big deal about Jesus rising from the dead because other people have done that as well? Well, the answer is very simple. The others were raised to life but only to die again. In other words, Lazarus came back from the grave, but ladies and gentlemen, he had to die again. The widow's son came up from the dead, but he had to die again. And I got good news for all of you today. 
Jesus Christ is the only person that has ever died never to die again. Can I get an amen? That's what that's all about. And so when you look there, they were raised from a physical death to a physical life only to eventually die a second time. But I'm so thankful that I can stand in this pulpit with joy in my heart, with an exuberance in my life to say to a congregation of men and women and boys and girls, my Savior will never die again. Can I get an amen? He's the first to have been resurrected with a new never dying body. And I want you to notice this. Are you, do you have your Bible open? Say yes if you do. I want you to do something for me. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 5, if you'll notice there, get your Bible, open it up. Everybody's got to have it. You've got to open it up. It says the word here, he is the first begotten. The first begotten. And what the word first means here in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 5, it means that he is the first in order. Or he is going to be the leader of a sequence. In other words, you look at this word, he is the first, and notice that it says, he is the first begotten of the dead. Now, when, I, when you study your Bible, you're going to find out something. And this is interesting, and we'll dig in in just a moment. But I want you to notice this. Five times in the Bible, Jesus is called the first begotten or the firstborn of the dead. Five times. Five times in the Word of God, Jesus is referred to five times in your Bible as the first begotten or the firstborn from the dead. Now, another five times, he is called the only begotten. Are you listening to me? Five times, he's the first begotten. Five times, he is the only begotten. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So five times Jesus is referred to as being the first begotten of the dead. Five times he is referred to as being the only begotten of the father. Now listen very carefully. You may want to write this down. When we hear the term Jesus being the only begotten in the Bible five times, it refers to his incarnation. In other words, he is the only begotten of the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That is, God became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, when you see the five times that, or you got to listen to this because i got to teach you something. I'm going to roll up my sleeves, y'all. Listen, i got to teach you something. When you see the word, he is the only begotten of the Father, it, it refers to the fact that God came from heaven, incarnated himself, showed up on planet earth, and he became God in the flesh. For the Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. The word was manifest to us, and, and the word became came life and we know that Jesus was the second person of the Trinity and we know that he is totally God. Do y'all believe that? Say amen. So God showed up on the earth five times he is the only begotten of the Father, speaks of his incarnation. God becoming flesh and being dwelling among us and, and being hu totally human but totally God. God did that. But when it talks about, are you listening? When it talks about he is the first begotten of the dead, it is not referring to his incarnation, but it refers to his resurrection. So listen carefully. Whenever you see in your Bible the five times that he says he's the only begotten son of God, it refers to his incarnation. When it refers to the first begotten, it refers to his resurrection. Are you listening? Now, look at the, listen to me. In his resurrection, 
We know that God showed up on this earth, and how many of you know that we serve an all-powerful God, amen? And I'm telling you, our God is an all-powerful God. He is omniscient. He's omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Can I get an amen? He can, how many of y'all believe God can do anything? He's an all-powerful, supernatural God. And he manifested his power. Watch this. It's so cool. He manifested his power in the incarnation in the womb of a virgin. That is, the womb of a virgin was the recipient of the incarnated God, Mary's going to give birth to a supernatural God through her womb. And Jesus had no earthly father, only a heavenly father. So now we got an incarnation that only God can do. Can I give an amen? But now we got that incarnated God who lived on this earth. And man, as he lived on this earth, he demonstrated his power. He raised the dead. He made the blind see. He made the lame walk. He did things that nobody's ever saw before, and he manifested his incarnation on this earth. But then he went to a cross, died on an old rugged cross, shed his blood for our sins, was put in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. And up from the grave he arose. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? So that he could be the first begotten of the dead. Now listen carefully. This is powerful. In his incarnation, he demonstrated God's power to us. Write this down. He demonstrated God's power to us in his incarnation. But in his resurrection, he demonstrated God's power through us. Not to us, but through us. Are you listening? Because without that resurrection, we don't have the power of God operating in our life. But oh, listen, when you have the power of God operating in your life, there's nothing too hard for our God. There's nothing too difficult for him. So now we find that John the Revelator is saying to us, he's the first begotten of the dead. He is the one that has been resurrected to place in order to place in sequence so that that power can be manifested and distributed through those that believe in him. I'm going to get you there. Are you with me? So I want to talk about four or five things today that will help you with this. First of all, number one, Jesus is the resurrection to a long promise. A long promise. For millennials, millennial years, people had waited for him. God had given a promise. I'm going to send my Messiah. I'm going to send one that's going to restore you. I'm going to send one to save you. God had given that promise, and for millennial years, people had waited on that. How many of you understand this? Because I want you to write some things down when I tell you in just a minute. Nothing, absolutely nothing, are you listening to me, takes God by surprise. Nothing takes God by surprise. How many of you believe that? Say amen. amen. Now, now, people would say, well, Brother Jackie, do you think Adam and Eve sitting in the garden took God by surprise? Not on your life. Our God, write this down, is never a God who reacts. He doesn't react. Our God is not a God that reacts to conditions or circumstances. 
Our God is not a God that reacts to when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden. God, God was not up in heaven when Adam sinned and went, oh my gosh, what did those idiots just do? Oh my gosh, we got to call a quick session in heaven. Oh my goodness, we got to come up with a plan. How many of you know this? Before Adam and Eve ever sinned in the garden, God had a plan to redeem them. The Bible says that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. God never reacted to man's sin. God always made a provision to get man out of his mess. And that's what God does. So when you look here together, God had given a promise. I'm going to manifest my promise to you. Write this down. What God promises, God always delivers. If God makes a promise, he will always deliver on his promise. You say, well, Brother Jackie, how do I know what his promises is? Right here. You have your Bible with you? Hold it up right here. Everybody, everybody just hold your Bible up. Right here is God's promise book. Can I get an amen? 7,000 promises God gives you in time for the believer. 7,000 promises. When you look there together, what God promises, God always provides. So when we look here, we find in John chapter 2, Jesus is incarnate God. He comes on the earth. And in John chapter 2, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign will you show us that you're God, seeing that you do these things? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple and somebody help me. In three days, I'm going to raise it up. And when you notice there, the Jews said, man, don't you know that it, take, it took 46 years to build this temple? And, and you're going to raise it up in three days? Listen to Brother Jackie, look at me. They were thinking in the natural. What does God want to do with you? He wants to get you out of the natural so that your promise can be manifested in the supernatural. So now they're thinking the natural. They're going, man, it took 46 years to build this temple. You mean to tell me that if we tear it down, you will build it up in three days? But they had forgotten a promise from God. Let me ask you this. Are you guilty of doing the same thing? Have you forgotten that your God is a powerful God? Have you forgotten that no matter what mess you're in, no matter what valley you're walking through, no matter how dark it gets, that God has made you a promise that he will see you through. That God is going to make a way when there seems to be no way. That, that God will open doors that no man can open and God can shut doors that no man can shut. How many of you realize we serve a God that's given us a promise, amen? He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll never abandon us. Yes, life is going to get tough and yes, life is going to get hard. But we've got a supernatural God that has went to a cross and died for us so that we can see the manifest power of God operating in our life and God said I promise you you tear this temple down I'll build it up in three days he didn't and the Bible says but he wasn't speaking about a temple of the building but he was speaking about his body when therefore he was risen from the dead his disciples remembered oh he said this to us that they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus said do you believe that say amen the next verse goes on and says, so you remember Paul was standing with, with the governor, King Agrippa, or the King Agrippa, and, and he was there, and 
Paul was in the book of Acts and he said, Oh, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision, the heavenly vision, but he showed up first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do the works meet for repentance. For these causes, are y'all listening to me? For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and wanted to kill me because I was giving them the answer to the question. And then the Bible says, having therefore obtained help of God, somebody help, help of who? God, I continue to this day. Witnessing both to the small and the great. If they want to kill me, they can kill me, but I'm going to keep on preaching. I'm going to keep on telling folks about this. I'm going to keep on declaring the good news. I'm going to keep on shining light in dark places. I'm going to keep on keeping on saying none of the things than those things which the prophets and Moses said would come about. In other words, the prophets and Moses had already told you the Messiah was going to come. And the Bible says that Christ should what? Come on now, Christ should what? Suffer. And that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light to the people and to the Gentiles. What an awesome God, amen? What's he gonna do, y'all? He's gonna suffer. He's gonna suffer. No man ever suffered like Jesus. He's gonna suffer. By the way, can I just go ahead and qualify this? How many of you have ever suffered? How many of you ever had the tough times in life? Raise your hand if you've ever been through a tough time. Well, look at me and listen. If you've, been, if you've been there, you've had a hard time, you've suffered, raise your hand. I want to see your hand. If you've ever been through a tough time, look at your neighbor and say, well, you're not by yourself. Go ahead. Amen. Listen, we're not the only person that's went through hard times. We're not the only person that's been through a valley. We're not the only person that's suffered. Jesus suffered more than we could ever imagine. But the Bible says he suffered and he brought light to us. So, so we realize then that the resurrection is a promise, a long promise. But then number two, and I like this, Jesus is the resurrection to a lighted way. You say, Brother Jackie, that's not good English. It is to me. It is to me. He's the resurrection to a what? Lighted way. Now I want you to remember this, y'all. You gotta remember this. What an amazing God we have. What a powerful God. How many of you understand this? Satan is the king of darkness, right? How many of y'all believe that? Say amen. He's the ruler of darkness. Jesus said the light came in this world, the light, the, and people didn't comprehend the light because they loved darkness more than they loved light. You got to listen to what I'm about to tell you. Jesus is light, and Satan is the king or ruler of darkness. Do you believe that? So what does the devil want to do? He, he, he doesn't want you to experience the manifested resurrection of Jesus in your life. So what's he want to do? You got to hear me. He wants to keep on pushing darkness your way. He, he wants to keep on pushing darkness your way. Watch this. Listen to me. When darkness invades our life, we forfeit hope. When darkness gets in us and that darkness just clouds in on us, we forfeit our hope. And we forget that we serve a God that's given us a victory. 
So what does Satan want to do? He wants to fill us with darkness. He, he wants to keep on pushing the gloom and the, and the doom into your mind and your heart. And by the way, I want you to remember this. Write this down. He's a master at it. He knows how to push darkness your way. And he will do anything in his power to push darkness in your way so that you will forfeit light. So that when you look at your life and you look at the struggles and the battles that you're in, the devil will say to you, there's no hope for you. And he will continue to push it into your life. But you've got to recognize that Jesus has done something for you that he can bring you light into any circumstance. No matter where you are, no matter what you're battling with, there is hope. And I want you to notice this. In the book of Acts, chapter 26 and verse 23, that Christ should what? Suffer and that he should be the first to rise from the dead. Why did he do that? Why in the world did Jesus do that? The Bible tells you why he done that. To show light to people. To show people light. You, you know, when I look around our world today, I've never, seen, I've never seen the world in the condition it's in today. It looks as if everybody has lost their hope. It looks as if even in the church's day, I go to preach and I, I look in the church and I think, dear God, what is wrong with the body of Christ? What is wrong with us? that we? It's almost like we're living in the doom and gloom of life when we ought to be more than conquerors through him that loved us. We, we ought to be people that even, even in, in the darkest moment of our life that we can say, man, there is hope. There, there is an opportunity. Uh, somebody told me before, they said, Brother Jackie, you know, I, I, people say there's always light at the end of the tunnel. And I, I, thought, it, I thought that too, and then I re recognized it was a freight train coming my way. Folks, listen, I'm just telling you, God, God is a God that will bring light into our life. But when you take your eyes off him, that's when darkness invades and the Bible tells us here in the next verse, it's powerful. For God who commanded, what? Say it with me. The light to shine out of darkness into our heart. To give light to the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Listen to what I'm telling you. Remember what I'm telling you. Always pursue the face of Jesus. Always desire to know him. Always desire, God, I want to know you better. Because the more you know him, the more light comes in your life. And when you think about this, you begin to realize that what happens in this resurrection of Jesus and in this marvelous power, this incredible resurrection to a long promise and a resurrection to a lighted way, this is one I want you to lean in and listen to me. Are you listening? Third thing, write this down. Jesus is the resurrection to a liberating access. A liberating access. 
listen to Brother Jackie. I don't care where you are in life, what's going on in your world, you can always connect with God. You can always connect with God. You say, Brother Jack, you don't know what I'm faced with. I really don't. But I know this, there's a God in heaven that loves you. There's a God in heaven, the devil will tell you, there's no way for you to have hope in your life. My friend, listen to me. When I began to study this and write it down, I had a Bible-costal fit. You hear what I'm saying? Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Just open your Bible up because you need to have this marked in your Bible. Man, I was reading and studying this this week, and I went, praise God, glory, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I'm telling you, I had one of those moments and with the Lord just me by myself, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, look at this. Look at what it says. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Are you listening? What is his exceeding greatness of his power? Not your power. Not your power, but his power. That has been demonstrated to us who believe. Are you a believer today? Can I give an amen? Then are you listening? If you're a believer, God has demonstrated his power to you according to the working of his mighty power. Watch, listen closely. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Now, are you listening? I'm going to give you a test. Where is God the Father? Where is your God the Father? Y'all do know that there is a trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Do you know where God the Father is? If you know where God the Father is, say it out loud. Where is he? He's in heaven. He's in the third heaven. He is occupying his throne in the third heaven. Do y'all believe that? God the Father is occupying his throne in the third heaven. And by the way, as long as he's on that throne, he is in control. Can I get an amen? How many of you believe that Jesus lived on this earth? He died on the cross. Do you believe that? He was buried in a bar tomb. Do you believe that? On the third day, he rose again. Do you believe that? Where is Jesus now? He's at the right hand of the Father. Jesus, before he left, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the comfort to you. He's the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit of God, and he lives on every believer. Can I get an amen? Now, how many of y'all believe that? Say an amen. If you got the Holy Spirit living in you, you ought to be alive. Can I get an amen? You ought to be alive to the glory of God. You ought to be alive. When Satan starts pressing darkness in on you, God says, don't let that happen. Because I'm sitting on my throne. The one who died for you is sitting at my right hand. And the book of Hebrews says this. We have a great high priest. Look at me and listen to me. 
I'm not talking about the Pope in Rome. I'm not talking about some preacher you've got to call out to. I'm not talking about somebody you've got to scream out to. But no matter what you're going through in life, you've got a heavenly father with his son sitting at his right hand, and he says he's your great high priest. And the Bible says he's passed into the heavens. He is, he doesn't make any bones about it. He doesn't want you to mistake it. He doesn't want people to get confused about it. It's not Allah, it's not Muhammad, it's not Buddha, but his name is Jesus, the Son of God. He says, hold fast your profession. For we have not a high priest that has not been touched with the feelings of my infirmity. Don't move that. Go back. You know what that means? He has suffered too. He has struggled too. He has fought hell himself. Every one of you that's been through tough times, I asked you earlier to raise your right hand. Look at me. You're not the only one that's been through hard times. Jesus has two. And the Bible says he is one that cannot be touched with the feelings of your infirmities, but was in all points tempted just like we're tempted. But was in all points tempted like we're tempted, but he didn't sin. Let us, let us come boldly to the throne of grace so that I can have mercy. Lord, have mercy in my time of need. When I feel like hell is coming against me, when I feel like my world is crashing in, when I feel like there's, that everything in the world has fallen apart, watch me. You Go to the throne room. You go to the throne room. And the Bible says that when you go to the throne room, you obtain grace and mercy and you find help. Look at Brother Jackie. It's tough in the midnight hour. It's hell in the midnight hour. It's hard in the midnight hour. And it's darkest, the darkest time is in the midnight hour. Anybody ever been there? Anybody in here ever been there? Weeping may endure for a night, but the Bible says joy comes in the morning when you have your focus on him. Look at me. When the clock strikes Midnight in your darkest hour. Look at me. One more second that ticks on that clock takes you from p.m. to a.m. When the clock strikes midnight straight up and down in your world, one more second takes you out of night into morning. It don't take God long to do a miracle, does it? 
So my friend, you may be at the midnight of your life. You may be in the hardest moment you've ever been in in your life. Hold on and focus on Jesus because one more tick of God's clock takes you from p.m. to a.m., takes you from midnight to early morning. Can I get an amen? And weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come for you in the morning. Can we give God praise for that? Because that's what he does. That's what he does. But you know what the devil will say to you? Look at me. It's going to be midnight for you the rest of your life. And when he presses darkness in, you'll forfeit your hope. And you'll forget that no matter who you are or where you are, you can go to him. And when you go to him, watch this. Write this down. He understands. Nobody else may understand, but he does. He understands. And when you do that, there is an amazing thing that begins to happen because when you understand liberating access, that is, you have the right as a believer that no matter where you are, what's going on in your life, you can stop where you are. Even right now, you may be in this service, you may be in this sanctuary, you may be at the river campus, you may be watching by, by internet, you may be listening by radio. I don't care where you are, no matter where you are, you ain't got to wait till this service is over to connect with God. You can do it right now because he's giving you access amen and when you have that liberating access there's something else that happens remember this you have a lively hope uh, the word is an interesting word when you study it in the Greek because the word is zeal. It literally means, and I like this, it means a living, breathing, active, valuable, endless hope. And I want you to open your Bible to the book of 1 Peter. You'll be amazed at what God says to them because they were fighting hell itself and God was giving them some hope in the midst of their mess, in the midst of their, their problems. And you'll realize that they, what, Peter was, what God was directing Peter to speak of was a bunch of people that were suffering and going through hard times. And look at what he says in verse number three. Are you there? Open your Bible. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which has, according to his abundant mercy, has, come on now, begotten us again unto a, what kind of hope? Lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If you'll notice in your Bible that word begotten, do you see it? Do you see it in your Bible? Do you, do you see it? Say Amen. When you look there, it is not the term, it's not the term only begotten because the only begotten of the Father speaks of the incarnation. But the begotten in 1 Peter is, speaks of the first begotten which speaks of his resurrection. So when God is speaking to those people in 1 Peter, he is saying to them that I'm not talking about the power of God that was promised to you, that was demonstrated or displayed to you in the, in the incarnation. But what I want you to know is you have a lively hope, not through incarnation, but through resurrection. And that resurrection power is operative in a believer 
anytime he needs access to it. That is, God gives you power to have an overcomer spirit, a lively hope in the midst of your challenge. Now, I don't know about you, but I've learned this about me. There's times in my life when if I depend on myself, I don't feel like I can drag out of the hole I'm in. There's times in my life when I look at life and I see what's going on that I ask myself, I don't think I got enough energy. I don't think I got enough in me to, 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 to deal with this. Anybody here ever feel like that? Well, it's at that time that you have to trust in not your hope, but his hope. And that hope that he has is in you. As our instrumentalists come, I want to share this with you just quickly. I was talking to a guy the other day, and he was saying, you know what, Brother Jack, I, I just feel like that, that I just can't, I just feel like I can't get a handle on everything. I just feel like that man is just crashing in. And I've tried this, and I've tried that, and I've tried this, and I've tried that. And I listened to him for a while. And I said, are you listening to you? Are you listening to what you're saying? You've tried this, and you've tried that. And you've tried this, and you've tried that. And as long as you continue to try to live life by what you can do, the devil is going to have a victory every time. There comes a time in your life where you can't win by yourself. There comes a time in your life where your struggle is too heavy, your pain is too deep, your sorrow is too big, that you can't make it there, there's just not enough to conjure up in you to give you a victory. And there comes a time in your life, and it'll happen to all of us at some point, to where we say, I don't know what else to do. Well, you know what? Sometimes I think that's where God says, I've been waiting on you to get there. Because now, you have to trust me. And when you trust God, he gives you finally a lasting life. A lasting life that, that causes you to go, man, I, I got something that's alive in me. It's a lasting life. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 12 says that you may walk honestly toward them that are without and that you may have lack of what, y'all? Nothing. I don't want you to be ignorant, Paul says, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not as others who have no hope. For if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Christ will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And, and everybody tell me, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds 
to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. You know what he's saying? You got a lasting life in Jesus. You got a lasting life in Jesus. And when you think about that, the devil would always try to convince you that's not true. That you don't have a lasting life. But in Christ you have a lasting life. Because he's the first begotten of the dead. He is the first in sequence that gives you this promise, he who believes in me will never die. Now I want you to think about this. If I were to ask you a question and, and I were to put forth to you evidence and this is the question bottom line do you believe this what I'm about to tell you do, do you believe this now Jesus was on the earth and he had Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Lazarus dies and everybody's upset and there's all kind of, and Martha comes to him and says if you'd have been here my brother wouldn't have died and man, there's all kind of things happening right there. And Jesus does something that's a miracle. He says these words in John 11, verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. I am. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever, say it with me everybody, lives and believes in me. I can't hear you. And then he asked her this question. Do you believe that? You know what? When we look at our world in the natural, we would say this. I don't believe that. But I'm going to tell you, my friend, there's a bigger picture than this natural world. There's a supernatural picture. If you live and you believe in Jesus, you'll never die. Here's the question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Now, the Bible says this. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. We've all got an appointment that we're going to face death. But remember what Jesus said. If you live and you believe in me, you'll never die. He that lives and believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You know what? When you have Jesus in your life, he has set a standard. Not a standard of death, but a standard of life. You say, well, Brother Jackie, how can I do that? How can I have that lasting life? The only way you can have that lasting life is Jesus. Jesus is the answer. The only answer for the question is Jesus. Life is too hard for us, y'all. Life is too difficult. We can't, we can't do enough. We can't get enough. We can't acquire enough to ever have a fulfilled life without Jesus. A young man was talking to me last week, and he said, I said, man, uh, do you go to church? He said, I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get all, I'm trying to do all the work I can do because I got a wife and kids and man, I, I got to get it while I can get it. Now, you have to realize, I know y'all don't believe this, but I'm an old guy now. And I've lived long enough to realize 
No matter how much you get, it won't be enough. And I said to him, I said, son, you want me to tell you the secret to success? You want me to tell you how to do your life? He said, yeah. I said, in Matthew 6, 33, there's your answer. He said, what does that say? I said, I'm not going to tell you. He said, you're not going to tell me? I said, no, I'm not going to tell you what it says. Matthew 6, 33 is your answer. And you could see the wheels turning in his mind. You knew he was thinking, I don't know what, I can't even find the book of Matthew. I don't even know where Matthew is. He said, Matthew 6.33. I said, Matthew 6.33, son. There's your answer. And he turned around and he said, let me get my pen. He took a pen and he wrote down Matthew 6.33. And he's, he said, I'm going to look at that. I said, okay, when you look at that, that'll give you the answer you're looking for. Here's what I'm saying to you. A life without Jesus is a life that is hopeless. No matter how much stuff you get, no matter how many things you acquire, Jesus is the only answer. And I want to tell you today, you may be here and you say, Brother Jackie, I've got too much going on in my world. I, I feel like God's brought me here to hear this. Listen, my friend. The only answer in your life is Jesus. I want to ask you a question. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know him? I'm not asking you, do you know about him? Do you know him? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? If you don't have that relationship, you don't have life. And I believe there's men and women and boys and girls just like there were in the first service that can't say, yes, I know him, to that question. I'm going to ask you today to bow your heads all over this auditorium. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, here's the question. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Do you have a vibrant, living relationship with Christ? Are you trying to do life by yourself? Are you tired of that? Are you ready to get access to God through Jesus? Are, are you in a place in your life to where you're going, Brother Jackie, I'm dying inside. And I need God to do something in me today. I, 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 need, I need a change, Pastor. I, I, need, I need God to do something that, that I don't know how to do. I've tried everything and it's not working for me. And if, you were to, if I were to take off the mask and, and be honest, Pastor, I'm dying here. Are you willing today to come to Jesus. Our ministers are going to come right now, and I'm just going to ask you. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing. If you're here today and you would say, I want, to, I, want, I want a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to ask you when you stand just to come on to the front. If you're here and you're looking for a church home and you would say, I want to be, this, I want to be here, I want you to come and talk to these ministers.
So Bethany, if you'll just start singing, and in a moment I'm going to invite y'all to stand. And if you want to come, you come right now. Just come.